Um, I want to take just a couple of minutes to give honor where honor is due. Uh, first of all, I want to give honor to the greatest man of God to ever walk this earth, my pastor. I would not be who I am or where I am if it wasn't for you. I give you honor this morning. I give honor to my beautiful wife who is here behind me. That's a good woman right there. And I want to give honor to my beautiful mother who drove all the way here this morning from Fort Worth just to be here with me. I sure do love you, Mom. If you could turn in your Bible. Is anybody ready for a move of the Holy Ghost this morning? I'm just expecting him to do something great. Amen? Amen. So we're going to go to the word of the Lord, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26. God is a pretty good God. He does some cool things. When pastor told me I was preaching uh, this service, it was quite a while ago. And not, not just a couple weeks later, God began to pour something into my spirit. And I did not realize the timing where this was happening, that I would be preaching the week after Easter. But last night, while I was finishing up some things, I realized that the message I'm preaching falls perfectly in line with the timing of the calendar. So I just think that God is pretty cool, and it may sound like I am re-preaching pastor's Easter message at the beginning, but I promise I am not. All right, so I'm going to have you all go with me to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26. The Bible says this, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Now turn to Matthew chapter 14 and verse 19. I want us to pay attention to the order that is given. These are two separate instances that Jesus does something with bread. And Matthew 26, it says that he took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. And then Matthew 14 and 19 it says, and he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed, he broke, and he gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to the disciples and the disciples, the disciples distributed it to the multitude. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. I believe God is about to help us with something. I'm going to be preaching with the help of the Holy Ghost, the divine order of broken bread. The divine order of broken bread. If we could close our Bibles and throw our hands in the air and pray that God would do something great in this house this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for your presence that I already feel. Lord, I'm asking you to come down and to minister to your body. Lord, help me to be a help to your body. Help me to love your body like you love your body. Help me to see your body like you see your body. God, I'm asking you to help us this morning. Help us to become disciples. Help us to be fishers of men. God, I pray that there would be a demonstration of your power and of your might. We ask it in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. Someone say in Jesus' name. Jesus. Clap your hands as you are seated this morning. In our opening text, we encounter two separate instances in which Christ is dealing with possibly the greatest substance of this world. The greatest substance the world has ever been acquainted with. Does anybody know what that substance is? It is bread. I don't know about you guys, but I love me some good homemade with about two pounds of butter slabbed on that sucker. Woo! Man, I just thought I felt something until now I feel it. I love bread. My mom, if y'all ain't never had my mama's cooking, you done missed out. 
I'm telling you, you done missed out. And one of the best things she's ever made in her life is her Italian loaf of bread. Tastes like a piece of Joe's Pizza from New York City. Can I get a witness in this place? But he is dealing with bread. In the 26th chapter of Matthew, we are led to an instance in which Jesus is having a feast with his 12 disciples. This was a Jewish uh, celebration, a Jewish ritual known as the Passover feast. But this particular Passover celebration would eventually become known as the Last Supper. And let me tell y'all something. This feast was wild. Have y'all ever sat down at the dinner table with your friends or with your family or your kids, your spouse, whatever, and it was just one of those dinners where shots were being fired everywhere? I don't know if y'all know what that means. That, that means that, like, I mean, there's fighting. People are calling each other out. There's fussing. There's yelling. Kids are getting whippings. Everything is just going. Y'all ever been in one of those dinners before? I, I know if y'all have kids, you've been in the dinner. Pastor, I've been in the dinner that happened and the kids, and it was just, it was a rough moment. But this dinner was like one of those dinners. It was like people were being called out on every corner. Nobody was safe, okay? Jesus, first, he tells Judas, you're going to betray me. He tells Peter, hey, you, yeah, that person right there, you're going to deny me three times. I don't care what you think. You may be talking the talk right now, but here in a few days, you ain't going to walk the walk. You're going to deny me thrice. It was like, it was just crazy. It was a very dramatic dinner that they had with Christ on that day. And while there are many things that took place at the Last Supper, the most significant part of it, and likewise of any meal, is simply what they ate. It was very important what they ate. They ate bread. And I know they drank wine, and we're just going to push the wine to the side for a minute. We're going to talk about the bread this morning. But they ate bread. This was not the first time that Jesus had broken bread with people. In fact, I believe it was one of the favorite things of Jesus to do, to break bread with people, with friends, with family, with neighbors, with, with the people that he encountered with. Jesus enjoyed breaking bread as he made a habit of it consistently throughout the Bible. In fact, Jesus made a habit of constantly surrounding himself with hungry people. Yeah. Let me say that again. Yeah. Jesus always made a habit of constantly surrounding himself with hungry people. Amen? Now, I don't know about you all, but I believe whenever I read the word of God, there is a divine order to everything that Jesus does. It isn't just happenstance that one thing happened before the other thing that happened before the other thing that led to the next thing. But I believe that there is a divine order of everything that takes place in the Bible. So go with me. Back to the book of Matthew chapter 26 where the Bible says that Jesus took this bread and he blessed it and he broke it and then he gave it to the disciples. And then we go to Matthew chapter 14 where he goes through the exact same process. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to the disciples and then there was one more step added. The disciples gave it to the multitude. Yeah. So this morning, we are going to go through this process of broken bread with Jesus. I found in my studies that in almost every single instance having to do with bread, Jesus went through the same process. And in prayer, I realized there truly is a divine order to broken bread in the Bible. So let's go to the first step. The first step, number one, is Jesus takes the bread. Jesus takes the bread. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was the life, and the life was the light of the world, and the light, it shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And then moving to verse 10, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, yet the world knew Him not. He came into His own, and His own received Him not. And then verse 14 says this, that the Word, the Word which was Jesus, 
was made flesh. In other words, Jesus, the God of heaven and earth, he took the bread. He took on flesh. He robed himself in flesh. He came to this earth, and he came here with a purpose. It was not Junior Jehovah. It wasn't many Messiah. It wasn't simply the demoted Son of God. But it was God himself. It was the King of all kings. It was the Lord of all lords. The Bible says in John chapter 8, 58, that Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that before Abraham was, I am. It was not a separate person. Jesus was not demoted to just the second person in the Godhead. But God took on flesh. God took the bread. 1 Timothy 3 and 16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels. He was preached unto the Gentiles. He was believed on in the world and received up into glory. I've come to tell somebody that may be confused in their mind and confused in their spirit that God is not three. I said, God is not three. Understand with me this morning that he is not limited to a mere three. He doesn't need help from a second or a third person in the Godhead. There is no such thing as a person in the Godhead. The Godhead was in a person, and that person was Jesus. He is one. He is one. He's on the throne all by himself. You don't believe me? Why on earth would we just demote him to three? He's so much more than just three. He was the Father in creation, the Son in redemption, the Spirit in regeneration, the ram in the thicket, the burning bush, the smitten rock, the cloud by day, the fire by night, the manna from heaven, the fourth man in the fire, the brazen serpent, the dove with the olive branch, the eternal wisdom. He was the manifested word. What do you need from him? I've come to tell you that he's everything you need, and he is it all by himself. He's my shield. He's my strong tower. He's my defense. He's my king of kings, my lord of lords, my prince of peace. He's the power. He's the hammer. He's the rock. He is the foundation. John said, he said, I saw a throne sitting in heaven, and there was two sitting on the throne, three sitting on the throne, five sitting on the No, no, there was one sitting on the throne three bear record in heaven the father the word and the holy ghost and all these three all these three are one understand with me that when God came to this earth and he took on flesh, it was not him sending someone else, but he loved you enough and he loved me enough that he himself came down and he took on flesh and there is no other gospel to be preached. There is no other truth to be talked about besides this glorious message of one God. Amen. And there's something else that he is this morning. John 6 and 35. Jesus comes and he says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. You can find sustenance in the physical from every other thing. And you can find something that you think makes you spiritually full. But it is a facade. It is faux. It is a fake. Understand with me that if you want life, you got to go to the bread of life. If you, if you want life more abundantly, you got to give the one that supplies the life more abundantly. And that was the one that said, I am the bread of life. So we took on flesh. He came down from a heavenly throne of glory. And he became like you. And he became like me. A man that was tempted in all manners. Yet he knew no sin. A man that went through the strife, the hurt, the pain, the depression, the oppression. He went through everything you and I could go to, go through. All the tempt, all manner of sin came and attacked him. Yet he never fell. And the next two things that he does after he takes the bread is the Bible says that he blesses it. And he breaks it. He blesses the bread 
and he breaks the bread. Understand with me that whenever Jesus took that bread and he broke it, he didn't do it with anger. He didn't do it with bitterness. He didn't do it with strife. He didn't do it with hate. He didn't do it with anything else, but he did it with joy. He did it with thanksgiving because he blessed it. In other words, he gave thanks for the brokenness that was about to enter into his life. First Corinthians chapter 11 says that this is my body, which was broken for you. Isaiah 53 tells us that he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed yes his body was broken yes he gave of himself to be crucified yes he went through the stripes and he went through the piercings and he went through the beatings but more than that he did it with joy Isaiah tells us that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It gave him pleasure to put himself on the cross and give his life for you. He didn't just allow himself to be broken for you. It would be one thing. Everybody in in the army, everybody in the Marines, they go to that battlefield. And they are willingly allowing themselves to give their lives for you. But I guarantee you this, they don't do it with joy. I know humanity, and I know that humanity is not God. And yes, there are courageous people and there are bold people, and I don't mean to diminish or take away from any of that. I'm thankful for all of it. But humans, unless they have something wrong in their mind, they do not want to die. They do not desire death. Amen? But the Bible says that Jesus, that God was pleased whenever Jesus was bruised, whenever his body was bruised. Understand with me, he went to that cross. He was broken for you. He did die for you. He he took the thorns. He took the spear. He got the nails placed in his hand. But I've come to tell someone tonight, today rather, that the reason he could do everything there is because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that it was for the joy that was set before him that he He endured the cross. He didn't just go there angry or bitter or nonchalantly, not wanting to, but it was the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. Colossians 2 and 13 through 14, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Whenever he went to that cross with joy, he took every sin that you and I could have ever committed or ever have committed or ever will committed. And the Bible says he took it and he nailed it to the cross. Those laws that used to be are not anymore because the one that made the laws has now fulfilled the law. The one that created it is the only one that could abide by it. So he abode. He followed the law to a T and he fulfilled the law so that now we're past the ordinances of the Old Testament and we can enter boldly into the throne room of grace. All because he took the bread and he gave thanks for what was about to happen. And then he willingly broke the bread. Humanity did not break the bread. Humanity did not put those stripes on his back. People could not conquer the king. People, he could have called down a thousand angels, but he said that my, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, then then I would have people come and fight for me. But Jesus allowed his body to be broken. He broke the bread. And then, after he blessed and gave thanks for the bread, the Bible says that he took that bread and he gave it to you, Brother Trevor. And to you, Sister Nevaeh, he takes that bread that's broken, that bread that is sustenance, that bread that would keep him, that would keep us, that would sustain us, that bread that is the bread of life. He broke it 
and he gave of himself to you and I. He gave it to Matthew, Mark, Luke. He gave it to all the disciples. He broke it and distributed it to the disciples. And I'm thankful this morning that I am part of that elect few that Jesus looked down and shined upon me with his grace and his glory and his mercy and his goodness and he allowed his body not to just be broken for my friends and my family and my pastor and my peers but he said hey Jordan you're a disciple too let me give you a little piece of this brother Trevor you're a disciple let me let me give you a piece of that bread Nadea, you're a disciple let me distribute a little bit of that bread Austin let me give you some of me he took that bread and he gave it to everybody he gave it to everybody that wanted a piece it doesn't matter who there is neither Greek nor is there Jew but all can come to him all can get some of the bread my God I feel the Holy Ghost John says that as many as received him he called them to be the sons of God it doesn't matter your history. It doesn't matter your origins or your family tree. Everybody. Everybody, pastor, can get the bread. He distributed. He distributed it to everyone. Without leaving anyone out, Sister Joanna. He gave it freely to his disciples. Thessalonians tells us that he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 10 and 10, he said, I am come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Understand with me this morning that that is a two-part equation. A two-part scripture. Some people just come to church so that they can get life. So that they can get salvation. But there's others that come here and they say, I'm going to go beyond that first life. But I want life more abundantly. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I don't just want life, but I want abundant life. I want to be sanctified. I want to be like Jesus. I want to follow him. I want to walk with him. I got to be like him. I want the bread. Excuse my young person vernacular, but young people, we got to get this bread. Young people, we got to get that bread. Here's what happened whenever you get the bread. You get a few more things with it. I love going to them Italian restaurants. I love going, if, if none of y'all have ever been to Italy in Dallas, my Lord. Mm. Praise God. You go in there. You tell them, what is that called, Sister Jessica? The charcuterie board, that's what it is. You go in there, you tell them you want the charcuterie board. They get you some bread with some good olive oil. I'm thankful for good oil this morning, amen? amen. I'm thankful for the anointing this morning, amen? amen. But they give, you, they give you that bread, and they may give you some meat and some cheese. But what I like is I like them grapes. I like that fruit that they serve with it. So whenever you get the bread, it comes with some other things. I said, whenever you get the bread of life, you don't just get bread, but you got a whole meal. You got a fruit basket waiting on you too. And this fruit basket is going to give you some things that you never would have had unless you accepted the bread of life into your life. This fruit is going to give you love and it's going to give you joy. It's going to give you peace. It's going to give you patience. It's going to give you meekness. It's going to give you everything that you need to walk this earth as an upright Christian. Anybody want some bread? You want some bread? Anybody want some bread? How about love? How about joy? How about peace? How about patience? You need meekness in your life? Just take a hold of the bread. It ain't just bread that you get, but you got a whole meal waiting on you. I 
I hear the word of David whenever he said that I was once young and now I'm a little bit older and I've never seen the righteous forsaken and I've never seen his seed begging for bread. God kind of gave me a revelation. I don't know if it was talking about food, but I think it may have been that bread of life. He said, whenever you're a righteous person, you're never going to be forsaken and you'll never have to beg for his presence. You'll never have to go tomorrow and say, Jesus, are you here? You won't have to go home tonight and say, Jesus, Jesus, uh, where are you, Jesus? Because the righteous never have to beg for bread. The righteous never have to beg for bread. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but you don't have to beg him for his presence. He is here. And my God, I'm thankful for everything that Jesus did with the bread. But sometimes you can be seated. Sometimes it is hot up here, Pastor. Whew. Make a fat man sweat real quick. Sometimes the apostolic church, we get to that part where Jesus took it, he blessed it, he broke it. He distributed it, and then we're like, that's my bread. That's, that's my bread. Jesus gave that bread to me. That's mine. Nobody else's. We stop. We stop right there. And we say, he, Jesus took that. He blessed it. He broke it for me. Stay back. My bread. Mine, 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 mine. Reminds me of Brother Ken. <laughs> or my nephew Cannon. My Lord, these baby kids. My bread. You can't have none. It's mine. But watch what he does in Matthew chapter 14. Pull it up for me, Brother Noah. Chapter 14 and verse 19 of Matthew. Bible says, he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed, following the same process. He blessed, he broke, and he gave the loaves to his disciples. Oh, stop, stop. My bread. Can't have none. Mine. I'm hungry. Brother Nathan Burks, a rabbit trail, but I'm going to say it anyways. Brother Nathan Burks told me a story. If y'all don't know Brother Burks, him and his family, they, uh, they grown folk. They corn fed. Some big old boys. Brother Burks is about as white as a truck, so they big dudes. And them suckers love to eat. My word, they like to eat. And there was one day that Brother Burks and his brothers, Tanner, and what's the third brother's name? That guy, Rodney, yes. They were sitting down at the dinner table to eat, and they always were stealing each other's food. So they're sitting here, and they eat like this. True story. They eat like this. I've ate with them. True story. They eat like this because they don't want nobody to have the bread. They don't want nobody. My bread. Well, one day Tanner got bold. He thought he was going to reach over and take Brother Nathan Burke's food from him. Brother Nathan Burke's grabbed a fork and proceeded to inject it in Tanner's hand because that was his it was all for him. He didn't want to share the bread. His bread. But watch what Jesus did. He gave the loaves to his disciples. And the disciples took that bread. And they went through the crowd. Want some bread? There you go. Don't want to hit you. They went, they went throughout the multitude. Bread? You want some bread? And they distribute. Can I get 12 disciples? I need six guys and six girls. Hurry up. Quickly. Come on, guys. Come on, come on, come on. Uh, youth, youth. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Young people. Young people. Don't need no elders in here. All right, six guys. Come on. Guys, y'all are moving too slow. Come on, guys. Hustle. Man, if y'all was on the basketball court, your coach would be screaming at you, hollering at you. Probably say some words that weren't holy. I need y'all to each get a basket. 
Everybody get a basket of bread. Y'all are disciples this morning. Somebody give it up for the disciples. Jesus took the bread. He gave it to the disciples. This bread here is pre-distributed bread. Jesus already put it in the baskets. We're good to go. And he told those disciples, I want you to go and distribute it to the multitude. Go ahead, guys. Distribute it. Give it to them, just little pieces. Everybody in the church needs a piece of bread. Man, I hope the disciples weren't this confused because it would have taken a long time to feed 5,000 people. Slowest moving disciples in the history of mankind. This is one of them three-hour wait services, them restaurants you get real mad at. Y'all are getting two stars on Yelp. That's what's about to happen. Don't eat the bread. I'm going to just tell you right now, don't, don't do that to yourselves. This is that bread that's sitting at the front of the restaurant that's like actually plastic, and you're not actually supposed to eat it, so don't eat the bread. But the Bible says that they went beyond just Jesus giving the loaves of bread to the disciples. But he told those disciples, you have a job to do after you get this bread. You got some work to put in after you get this bread. It's not just meant for you. It's not just us four and no more. It's not just the 12, the 200, the 300 that sent truth church. It's not for us to just take and keep, but we have a job to do. Acts 1 and 8 says that ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you're going to be a what? A witness unto me both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. He distributed them. And some might say, well, he didn't follow the same process at, at the Last Supper. Yes, he absolutely did. Because he came back a little bit later. In Matthew 28, 19. And he took the same bread. I'm willing to say. And he says, now take it. My body that was broken for you. And I want you to go ye therefore. And teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Holy Ghost. He said, that's the great commission. That was Jesus' commandments. He said, this bread that I broke for you. And that I gave to you. You don't just keep it. But you go into every tribe. And every nation. Every tongue. And every creed. And you preach. The gospel. Matthew 24 and 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. Truth Church, we are not just any people, but we are a people of the name. The Bible calls us a light of the world, a city set on the hill. But I think we're a little bit more than that. We need to put... Sunbeam out of business. What's another good bread company? Nature's own. Miss Bears. Sarah, whatever her name is. Sarah Lee. We need to put them suckers out of business. I would to God that Truth Church would become the largest, the biggest, the highest distributors of bread that's ever walked this planet. That we become known as that's the church that gives out bread. That's the church that distributes bread. We don't stop at getting bread given to us, but we pour it out. We give it out. We give it out. We take it and give it to the world. And here's why. Here's why. 2 Corinthians 4 and 3. If our gospel be hid. If our gospel be hid. It is hid to them that are lost. If our bread be kept hidden. If our bread stays in the storehouse, it is kept from them that are starving to death. It is kept from those that if they just had a piece, they would live. 
If it's hid, it's hid to them that are lost. I was at the Holocaust Museum. I believe it was seventh grade. I'm not so sure that seventh graders are ready to experience that kind of trauma, but we went. And very, 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 it, it was almost a spiritual moment, to be honest. It was a very solemn thing as a seventh grader, a young man walking through those, through those halls of that museum in Houston, Texas. And I remember coming up on one of the displays. <clears throat> and it was talking about times in the concentration camps. The Jewish people were so malnourished and so starved. They were so hungry. They would do anything for a piece of bread. And those Nazi soldiers thought that it would be fun. They, they played a game with them. And they would go into those, those barracks, those dormitories, where the Jewish people were sleeping and staying starved. Until, if, you've never, if you've never seen the pictures, it, is, it opens your eyes. They were starved. Their ribs were showing, cheeks sucked in. They had nothing, hadn't eaten for days. And those Nazi Germany soldiers would walk in there and open the door. Take a piece of bread. And they would throw it into the middle of them. And those Jews would literally fight to the death just for a piece of bread. They were thrown off in the middle of them and they would all be on it and they would be punching and kicking and slamming and smacking and tearing all for a piece of bread. They were hungry. They were hungry. Have we become so spoiled that we don't even care to taste of the bread anymore. You know what it reminds me of? Whenever that story got brought back to my memory, they did anything they could. They were violent in pursuit of the bread. They were violent in pursuit of that sustenance. What does the word of God say? From the times of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. Sometimes I feel like we don't really have an understanding of what that scripture is saying. It's not saying that the, the kingdom of heaven is literally being beat up and hurt and messed around. And all this young know what it's saying is that from the time the gospel has been preached, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. In other words, it's as though there is a city with walls around it. And all around the walls, there's people, and they're beating, and they're knocking, and they're breaking, and they're tearing, and they're doing whatever they can just to inherit the kingdom of God. But it says this next. It says that the violent take it by force. In other words, those that are passionate take it by force. Those that want it take it by force. Those that desire it take it by force. We've got to get hungry again. For the bread. We can't hide the gospel. We can't stay the gospel. We can't hide the bread. But we need to be like Brother Paul in Romans. Whenever he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation of everyone that believeth. If the music could come. He takes it. He blesses it. Yeah. He breaks it. Yeah. He gives it to the disciples. The disciples distribute it to the people. But now, they, they've given it all away. I, I don't have any bread. I have no bread. I gave it all away. What am I going to do? What did I say at the beginning of the service? In the world, the more you give, the less you have. You give and 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 it's all gone. 
But watch what happens in God's kingdom. They took those baskets. And they distributed it to everybody. And then Matthew 14 and 20 happens. Go ahead, Brother Noah. And they did all eat, the multitude. And they were all filled. But now watch what happens. The disciples are hungry again. A couple days later. But here's what happened at the end of that meal. They took up the fragments that remained. And they had 12 baskets full. They had enough to feed and sustain themselves. Understand with me that in God's kingdom, the more you give, the more you get. The more you pour out, the more you bring in. The more you give, the more you get. You give and you get. You give and you get. God's kingdom is the only place that you can get leftovers from a lunch you didn't pay for. Let me say that again. In God's kingdom, you can eat a lunch that you didn't pay for and then take someone else's leftovers. I have been at restaurants where I get my food and I'm eating, I'm eating, I'm eating. It's good. And I see somebody else's food come out. I'm like, my goodness, that junk looks so good. I should have got that. Could you imagine if you did that? And let's just pretend that everyone's sanitary, okay? Let's just, let's just pretend everyone's sanitary. You thought that. You saw 14-ounce ribeye. You're sitting over here with the chicken fried steak. Nothing against chicken fried steak, but ribeyes are better. Amen? Amen. Ribeyes are better. And you say, man, I wish I would have got that. You get done eating. You're full. You're ready to go. And all of a sudden, someone packs up that 14-ounce ribeye that was left over. And brings it and sets it on your table. Says, this is for your lunch tomorrow. Understand with me, people, that God's kingdom, you're never going to give more than you get. The more you give, the more you're going to get. The more you give, the more you're going to be sustained. Philippians 4.19. But my God, but my God shall supply all your need according to your, according to your, no, 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 no. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter how hungry you are. It doesn't matter how famished you are. It doesn't matter how destitute you are. My God will supply all your needs. He'll give you the leftovers and he'll bring you a whole new meal. He'll feed you tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And all you got to do is be a distributor. It's the divine order of broken bread. God said, everything, let it all be done decently and in order. And this is God's order of broken bread. You know what the Bible says? Here's what happens whenever you follow the divine order of broken bread. When you become a distributor and a supplier a broken bread. Psalms 37, 23. The steps of a good man. You fall into the divine order. The steps of the good man are ordered by God. Let me say it again. Just because I like it. Psalm says, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Truth Church, hear me today when I tell you to be a distributor of bread. You may think I pour out and I pour out and I pour out and I pour out. Where am I going to get something for me? You get it in the giving. The righteous never beg for bread. If we could all find ourselves an altar. As I'm closing. We have to understand that we cannot stop short of the divine order of broken bread. We can't stop at the point in which God gives the bread to his disciples. I understand we're all disciples of Christ. We're all part of the body. We're all fitly joined together. But we cannot stop at the point where we just get the bread and hide it. There was another step taken. I said there was another step taken in the divine order of broken bread. 
and the disciples distribute it. Well, they're not hungry or thirsty. Yeah, they are. They're starving. They are starving. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. People, uh, true church, understand with me this morning that we are the vehicle in which the righteousness is presented to the people, in which the bread is presented to those that are hungry and those that are thirsty. We are that vehicle. Don't fall out of order of the broken bread. We still have bread to distribute. We still have a mission to move. We still have people that are hungry and thirsty. And I don't want to be the reason that the gospel is hid to them that are lost. But I want to complete that final step of the divine order of broken bread when the Bible says that the disciples took it and they began to distribute it to the masses. You know what the Bible says about that moment? That Jesus was moved by compassion. You know a prayer I've been praying a lot lately? God, let me love your people like you love your people. Because when I'm moved by compassion for the masses, for the hungry, for the tired and the broken, I don't mind breaking off a little piece. I don't mind breaking off a little piece of my time and my money. If I could just love your people like you love your people. I want to pour myself out to a broken and a hurting and a tired and a world that's destined for hell. God, move us by compassion this morning. I'm finished. I think it would be a good time to pray that we would get a burden and a fire for the lost. And I think it would be good if we all prayed the prayer, God, help me to love your body and your people like you love your people. God, let us be moved by compassion this morning. God, let us be moved by compassion this morning. I don't mind giving up myself. I don't mind breaking off a little peace. You've given me so much, I don't mind. Just breaking off a little peace for the hurt one and the broken one, for the drug addict, for the addicted, for the alcoholic, for the person that's desperate and in despair. All that I am and find my the altar again set me on fire, set me on fire. Here I am, God, arms wide open. Pulling out my life, gracefully broken. Save me, you will be with me. 
you something real quick. I don't mean to cut anyone's prayer short, but can all my young people, I know you're over here, can you shift to the middle real quick? I have had over the past few weeks, where's Parker, Noah, Ezra? Can you three just come kind of like right here? And um, who else is I guess that's just you three. Parker, Ezra, and Noah. We have been doing <clears throat> Bible studies, Nevaeh, Bryn, everyone that's in How ISD. Can y'all just kind of be right here? Is it How? Yeah, y'all go to How. Okay, that's what I thought. And then everyone that is in, um, what's y'all's school name? What is it? Everyone that goes to GCS, I think that's just the Garcias. Can y'all come right here, please? I have been feeling such a burden for these two schools over the past few weeks. And I'm not trying to diminish or take away from any other school. I believe that revival is here for every school. But we have such a strong witness in these two schools of truth. And I get told stories often of people asking questions. We've been doing Bible studies, me, Noah, Parker, Ezra. We've been doing Bible studies together over the past few weeks. We try to hit them every week. Sometimes we miss. Life happens. Things happen. I understand that. But I believe it's time to go beyond that. We have been distributing the bread amongst ourselves, young people. But now it's time to go to that next step. And we got to take that basket of bread. And we got to bring it to Howard ISD. And we got to bring it to GCS. I believe that there's a revival that's going to spring forth out of these two school districts. And we're going to have incoming students. God gave you the number in a couple of services ago of 100 young people. I believe. I believe that in a year's time we can hit that number and we can exceed that number. If other churches, if the church down the road that has masses coming in there and they're not even preaching truth can have 200 young people, we can do it at a truth preaching church. Here's what I want everyone to do. I want everyone to extend your hands to these two groups of young people. And I want you to pray for holy boldness. I want you to pray that they would have a revelation of everything that's in the written word of God. And I want you to pray that they would be able to speak with clarity and charity and pour out this truth to every young person they come in contact with. God, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon these young people. I pray that you would move to how into GCS. I pray that you would give them opportunities to witness, to be a witness of your glory and your truth.